I think that many different times people get so um, either discouraged or they get overwhelmed um, when it comes to looking at Scripture, um, when looking at the Bible. And I think oftentimes if we were to sit down and look at the simplicity of it, then I believe it would not only make more sense to us, but fulfill what the Lord has intended for it to. When we see Jesus talking with his disciples and we see the life that Jesus lived throughout the Gospels, we see a life that was lived with simplicity. We see a life that was lived in a way that the desire was for people to know him, and that is Jesus. He didn't try to make things overly complicated. Um, he wanted people to understand and know him on a intimate level, on a relationship level, um, to be able to uh, see him um, as approachable, to see him as someone um, that they could be able to learn and grow with. Um, and so with that in mind, I believe that we can see that the majority of Scripture is that way. One of the things that I think is absolutely vital today is the understanding of spiritual warfare and the understanding of who the enemy really is according to the Bible. I believe that the enemy, Satan, has done a, and I hate to give credit here, but done a great job of blinding people to who he really is and to what spiritual warfare really is. Oftentimes, I believe that we feel that spiritual warfare is when we're just having a bad day. But spiritual warfare, I think, encompasses so many different facets um, that I think we can really be able to take a look at. And Paul dealt with some of this in Scripture um, when he wrote the passage in Ephesians. And so when we understand, I think we understand, uh, as, as Paul's writing here, that we're in a battle, and it is an everyday thing. And when we look at the idea of spiritual warfare and this warfare in general, we have to understand who the enemy really is. And I believe that over the next little bit, as we begin diving into Scripture and diving into this concept of spiritual warfare and who our enemy is, I think that we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament to fully understand. Um, I think we have to go back to Genesis chapter 3. I think we have to go back to Job chapters 1 and 2. Um, to be able to begin to get a clearer picture of who our enemy is, to be able to understand warfare uh, a little bit more clearly. Oftentimes we can understand the passages if we have any background in Christianity or background in going to church. We have probably heard or know about the passages in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul talks about the spiritual armor. Um, when he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the loins girt about with truth, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. And we have probably heard those described and talked about. But do we really understand the purpose of them? And do we really understand the reason why that we have to wear them and why we have an enemy to fight against? And I think that will help us understand so much more about spiritual warfare and so much more about what's going on as we look around us. Um, it will help us to 
be able to see and understand passages completely differently in Scripture, I believe. Um, to see, um, for instance, the passages that describe certain things that the disciples encountered and went through. The early church in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, um, early missionary journeys, things of that nature. I believe we'll understand them better when we understand spiritual warfare um, and when we understand our enemy. Um, Warren Wearsby made a great statement. He said, unless we know who the enemy is, where he is, and what he can do, we will have a difficult time defeating him. And if we are honest with ourselves, I believe that if we have gone to church any length of time, we would have to say that it's been a long time since we've heard a sermon on Satan, on who Satan is, on the abilities and description of what Satan can do on demonic forces, on the idea of spiritual warfare. And even if we've heard a sermon on spiritual warfare, a lot of times what it is, it's about the armor of God and it's about just being aware. But the question we have to ask ourselves is this, what do I need to be aware of? What is my enemy capable of? You will never be able to understand how to deal with spiritual warfare if you don't know who your enemy is and what your enemy is capable of. And the reason why this is important is because if you begin reading Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 and following, it's going to be very hard for us to understand why that Paul says that our job is to stand. Oftentimes when we think about warfare, we truly think about fighting. Uh, I served in the United States Army and uh, was trained on numerous weapons and was trained in warfare. And our job was not to just stand there, but our job was to be an active participant within the battle if that was the case. Here, our job is not so much to be an active participant in the sense of, I am to fight against Satan, but I am to learn to stand in Christ who is going to fight the battles for me. And that's a completely different concept, especially in today's um, idea of trying to make us so self-sufficient. What we're finding is that Paul is telling us that in order to be a, a good spiritual warrior, if you will, our job is not to be an active participant in the sense of I'm to go out and fight, but I'm to be an active participant in that I am to stand and let Christ do the fighting for me. And that takes away the idea of selfishness. That takes more humility. That takes more surrendering. That takes more awareness of the weakness that I have and the frailness that I have, which goes against what we seem to be taught in culture. And what we have to understand is the reason why we have such an, an oxymoron with what Christ is teaching, what Paul is teaching here, when it comes to spiritual warfare and what the culture teaches us in self-sufficiency is because that is part of spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to blind us from the idea of surrender, of the idea of humility. But he wants us to be filled with pride, to be filled with um, certain emotions that will cause us to try to fight him on our own, try to take him on on our own. And then we understand the idea and terminology that Paul uses here in that we wrestle He's telling us that um, we're not necessarily taking our sword and swinging it, but we're wrestling in this spiritual warfare. And this idea of wrestling is 
not against flesh and blood. Paul says it's not against your fellow man, but this wrestling is against spiritual powers. It is against all of the things that Satan is trying to do to cause us to have a wrong view of God. And I think that's, that's very important for us to understand is the purpose of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not to take my salvation. Scripture is very clear that uh, I am secure in my salvation, not because of anything I've done, but because of all that Christ has done. But the reason why we're in spiritual warfare is because what Satan wants to do is for me to get and to live with a wrong perspective of God. I'll give you an example. Let's say, for, for instance, something happens, and there is a, a very difficult event that happens in your life. And you are in the process of praying, and you are saying, you know, God, I, I want to be available. I want you to use me. I want you to do these things in my life. And in the process of that, you just, you don't really feel that God is moving properly or moving, and you feel like your prayers are not going past the roof. Well, it's in those times that, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll have these thoughts that, you know, does, does God really care about me? I know the Bible says that his ears are open to my cry, but is God really listening to me? And then it begins to progress to, I wonder if God really loves me. I wonder if God really does want the best for me. And so what happens is these doubts begin to creep in, all because the fact that things may not be going a certain way for us. And what Satan does is he uses those opportunities to try to cause us to see God in a wrong perspective. That's exactly what he did in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, he didn't come with this blatant, you know, horrible sin when he um, began to uh, talk with Eve. He just put a little doubt in there. He just put, you know, hey, Eve, have you thought about that maybe God's holding out on you? Yeah, I know the garden is beautiful and all of that, but if, if God really loved you, then why would he put that tree out there and tell you you couldn't eat from it? Why is God holding out on you? God actually has something better for you, but he doesn't want you to know about it. And see, we don't really see that as spiritual warfare, but that's as much spiritual warfare as the, 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 the book of Job. And see, oftentimes we see the book of Job and we see that as spiritual warfare because there is a tremendous level of harm um, that is coming to Job from, with, with um, the, what happens to his family and what happens to his livelihood and what happens to him personally. But oftentimes we don't see even the story of Elijah when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and God miraculously... Um, uh, brought fire down from heaven and and the prophets of Baal were destroyed right after that just a simple little statement from Jezebel in saying that Elijah you know I, I'm not really too happy with what you did to my prophets I, I'm going to seek you out and the same thing's going to happen to you and Elijah goes and falls into this deep depression and goes and hides in a cave and starts saying, you know, Lord, I'm the only one who's serving you and I'm the only one who's uh, being uh, obedient. And, you know, we don't see that as spiritual warfare, that here is Elijah just being able to be part of this amazing spiritual um, moment when, when God shows up in a powerful way. And just right after that, he just gets a little phrase from Jezebel and fear overtakes his heart. And so what I want to do as 
we begin through um, this study is I want us to be able to really dive into the concept of spiritual warfare, who the enemy is, what he does, um, and to understand the activity um, that is already going on. Um, to understand that our enemy is not uh, dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork. Um, and oftentimes that's what's happened is we have um, been so um, hoodooed by this idea of what we have seen in uh, a caricature of Satan or through cartoons that um, we really don't fully understand who he is. And he loves that. He loves the idea that we don't know who he is. He loves the idea that um, we will just uh, underestimate him in every um, area of our lives. Um, we also have to understand that this idea of wrestling is its very personal. When the enemy attacks us, it is going to be personal attacks. He is going to go for the jugular every single time. And that's a scary thought. That is a scary thought to know that when Satan is coming after us, when the enemy is coming after us, he's not playing. He is not trying to come and um, be able to uh, just kind of make our day bad. He is coming to make sure that he attacks us in every possible way. And so we have to keep those things in perspective. We have to keep those things in mind as we are understanding what uh, this this concept of uh, spiritual warfare is in our enemy. And so what I want us to do is that uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to break some scripture out and begin looking at um, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at what Paul lays out when it comes to spiritual warfare. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go from that point and we're going to um, begin... Um, tying in Genesis chapter 3 and Job chapter 1 and 2, uh, tie those in uh, to um, Ephesians chapter 6 to start really bringing these concepts together. And then as we continue to progress, um, we're going to start looking at some passages um, from the New Testament in the ministry and the life of Jesus and to show the spiritual warfare there and what Jesus is really teaching us when it comes to Scripture. Uh, a couple of specific examples we're going to look at is the one where Jesus is walking on the water and also uh, when the storm is taking place and also when the storm is taking place and Jesus is asleep in the boat. I believe that those two passages teach us a great deal um, when it comes to uh, spiritual warfare and our enemy. And so uh, the next episode that we're going to look at is going to be Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, where Paul starts off, Be strong in the Lord and receive your power from the Lord. This is where it starts. This is where we have to begin absolutely everything when it comes to spiritual warfare, is we start by being strong in the Lord and receiving our power from Him. And this is where we see humility when it comes to our warfare. So I pray that this has uh, challenged your heart. I pray this has intrigued you to where you would like to join and be able to continue through this study um, as we really begin to dive in to what real spiritual warfare is. I think it's going to be so prevalent to where we're at today in our society, and I believe that we're going to be able to see so much of Scripture come alive by being able to look at this and to be able to study this.